Church podcast. We are in our last sermon of the Not series. You have to understand this. You have to grasp this as a believer. This is foundational to you moving forward in the goodness of God. You are not under the law. You are under grace. You are not under the law. You must understand this so that you can bear fruit as a believer in your new life. So please track with me right now. Come on, let's get right into this word. Well, bless the Lord. We're in a not series. Can you say not? I like the not series because you just got to point out some of the awesome knots in the Bible. And there's some awesome knots. And I like not because not distinguishes between what it is and what it isn't. It makes it very clear. It's not that, it's this. And therefore, the knots in the Bible are really powerful. I didn't get to some of the sermons I would have liked to have taught. Like, I would have liked to have taught this one, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We live our life by faith, not by what we see. We don't live by our senses or by our emotions or, or by what we see in this world. We live by faith. We live out of the unseen realm. Anyways, I wanted to teach on that, but you've heard that, so it's one I can't do. Abraham staggered not at the promises, but, but through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So I want to tell you, stay in faith. Don't walk by sight, walk by faith. 1 Corinthians 1.13, has Christ been divided into factions? Was I, Paul, crucified for you? Were any of you baptized in the name of Paul? Of course not. Not. And what Paul was talking about was there's no divisions in the body. There's no factions in the body of Christ. So I would have liked to have taught that, you know, we need to walk in oneness. We need to walk in unity. The body of Christ is not divided. That's one I'm not going to teach on. Romans 4.20. How many are enjoying the sermons I'm not going to preach on? All right, good. All right, so let's go down to... uh, uh, 1 Corinthians 12.1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, we've taught on spiritual gifts, and we're doing that on Wednesday night, so I thought I do not need to teach on that because we're doing it every Wednesday, doing the gifts of the Spirit and manifesting those. But, you know, Paul said, I do not want you to be ignorant. Sadly, too many people are ignorant of the, the wonderful gifts and deposits of God that we have to manifest the kingdom and do the work. It's like trying to build a house without the power tools. The power tools are important, and we don't want you to be ignorant of those. Now listen, 1 Corinthians 15, 10. By the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. His grace is unmerited, wonderful favor, and the baptism of his kindness, it was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not. I mean, this is, I'm confused. He said, I work really hard, yet even then it wasn't me. It's the grace of God in me, and yet not I. But it's the grace of God which is within me. You know what? Your life is a move of grace from beginning to end, and everything you do is saturated and baptized in the unmerited grace and favor of God. Hey! Somebody clapping in the darkness over there. That's awesome. Galatians 1.7. I love this. It's in the Passion Translation. It says, that is fake. That is fake. You see, the gospel is good news, and there's a fake good news. There's a fake gospel. He said, that is fake. That is a fake gospel. That is simply not true. There's a not true gospel, and sadly, a lot of people actually are trying to have a relationship with God through the fake gospel. That's not the gospel. You know, I want to teach on that. That's what we're trying to do is make sure you understand. There is only one gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, yet you have allowed those who mingle law with grace to confuse you. There's people who mingle. If you mingle law with grace, it leads to confusion. 
and there's people preaching a, an old covenant, new covenant hybrid of the gospel, and it's causing confusion in the body of Christ. And we do not want people to be subject to the fake gospel. Can I get an amen? Well, we're going to talk about that a bit today. Romans 6, 14 says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin. Sin. Missing the mark. What's the mark? The glory of God. A life that is saturated in the goodness of God. You miss the mark. You fall short of the glory of God. That's sin. And it's sometimes not as much the things you commit. It's the things you omit. And it's the things you omit that cause you to commit. That was interesting right there. For sin shall not have dominion over you for. How many know what for is for? Four ties these things together. So why does sin not have dominion over you? He's going to answer that question. You ready? Because you're not under the law. You're under grace. See, when, when you can figure out that the law was never there to change you, redeem you, or make you pure or holy, when you figure out that you're not under law, sin will not have dominion over you. If you still love, live under the law, if you still use the law as the measure or, or the vehicle to try to be like God, you will always feel dominated and fail because the law was never designed to change you. It says you are under dominion to sin, under dominion to that, because you do not know that you're not under the law, but you're under grace. I love this verse in the Passion Translation. It says, remember this, remember this. And so often in the Word of God, Paul uses the word remember. And when people are falling short of God's best in their lives, he says, have you forgotten? You need to remember this. Remember this. You ready? Remember this. Sin will not conquer you. How many have successfully sinned? Some of you didn't put your hand up, just sinned right there. You know, boy, remember this. Sin will not conquer you. You know, but so many people are trying not to sin. When you, don't focus on sin. Focus on Jesus. Don't focus on, on the law or what to do or what not to do. Focus on his goodness and grace in your life. Sin will not conquer you. I love this. For God already has. <laughs> sin cannot conquer you. God's already conquered you. You know, you don't need a behavior modification program. You need to remember, you need to get a full revelation of God has moved in and his love has totally set you free and you need to focus on his goodness and his grace and that way sin will never ever conquer you. He's already conquered you. You are not governed by the law, but you are governed by, and I love this phrase, don't you? You are governed by the reign of the grace of God. Woo! Woo! Freedom. Praise God. Next week we get to have twice as many people in the room. Isn't that good? My goodness, that'll be so good, eh? Romans 7. We're going to jump into Romans 7. This is, this is now where I'm going to preach from, so pay attention. All right. I will, I write to you, dear brothers and sisters, who are familiar with the law. So who's Paul writing to? He's writing to those who are familiar with the law, people who understand the law, who have a relationship with the law, who are living by the law. He says, don't you know that when a person dies, it ends his obligation to the law? You go up to a dead man and say, hey, you know, you're not serving Jesus very well. I mean, uh, no, you see, if you're dead, men are dead, right? So if you're dead, your obligation to the law is done. Amen. Don't you know that when a person dies, it ends his obligation to the law? For example, for example, 
A married couple is bound by the law to remain together until they're separated by death. So Paul's using an, an illustration. He's using an illustration that they all understand. They understand marriage, and they understand marriage in the Old Covenant. They understand marriage under the law. So he's saying, I want you to use this as an illustration. For example, a married couple is bound by the law to remain together until they're separated by death. Now, Paul is speaking to those familiar to the law. He's speaking to a Hebrew or a Jewish mindset, and they know that they were married to the law at Mount Sinai. At Mount Sinai, they came into a covenant with God. They came into a covenant under Moses. They were married to the law. So if you went to them and you gave them a new message of good news that we now have a relationship with the Father by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus, and you tell them, the law has been obliterated, it's gone. The law will never ever give you a relationship with God, but look what God did. He provided Jesus as our new way to relate to the Father. Whoa! But see, these people said, as attractive as Jesus is, I'm married to the law. So what you're telling me to do, you're telling me to really step into an adulterous relationship with another situation. You're, you're asking me to step away from the law that we Jewish people are married to, and you're asking me to take on a, a new way of connecting with God. That would be adulterous. That's why it was hard for them. So he said, that covenant, he says, we can't leave Mr. Law. It would be adultery. See, here's the problem with Mr. Law. He's never wrong. He's never wrong. Cook me two eggs, fry one over easy, scramble the other. You bring it, he goes, you scramble the wrong one. He's never wrong. You know, you almost got the room clean, not quite, but there's a mess over there. And you know what, it's not that he's trying to be mean-spirited, he's just perfect, and he's never, ever wrong. And he's not only perfect, but he demands perfection of you. You know, you press my shirt, but the, the collar is still a bit messy, and you really haven't done the full job. You need to do it right. You are constantly under the law. Do it right, do it right. You failed, you fell short. Do it right, do it right. Do it right. You did not put the right spice in the meatloaf. It's not perfect. Could you imagine being married to Mr. Law? But you see, people been married to Mr. Law. Even the law itself tells us that it doesn't work. Even the law itself points to Jesus. There's someone coming who's going to fulfill it for us because the law is a schoolmaster to show you that you need a savior. But there's a lot of people still living under mixture. Not only is the law absolutely perfect, but it's not going anywhere. The law is forever. It is absolutely right, and it will be forever right, so it's not going anywhere. Yet, the law is powerless to help you change. It doesn't matter how much you memorize the law, it will never change your life. Because the law was never meant to change your life. It was meant to expose your flaws, your weaknesses, and your failures. Yet, it does nothing to help you. And here's the problem. He won't die. I want to be free from him, but he won't die, and I can't kill him. So we're in a massive dilemma here because I am stuck in a miserable relationship with Mr. Law, and I can't get out. Are you tracking with me a little bit? This is what Paul is saying. He won't die. He's powerless to change me, and all I get with Mr. Law is condemnation. Hebrews 7, 18 and 19, the old order of the priesthood, the old order with Moses and Aaron and that priesthood, it's been set aside. It was weak and powerless. For the law has never made anyone perfect. 
The law never made anybody perfect, but it, in its place, a far better hope which gives us confidence to experience intimacy with God. And that's talking about Jesus. There's a new covenant. There's a new relationship through Jesus and his finished work, which actually gives us absolute confidence. We are shameless standing before our Father because we know that the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from every single sin and every wrong. Not only did he cleanse us, but he empowers us to live. He didn't just give me righteousness or look at me as righteous. He made me the very righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How did that happen? Through the law? No, it happened through grace. You are not under the law. You've been conquered by God. You've been conquered by his unmerited favor. His grace has set you free from the law of sin and death. Settle down, please. I cannot handle the excitement. Please. Okay. Is this good news or what? I tell you, this is the good news right here. Romans 3, 21 and 22. But now, Romans, he's saying to the Romans, he's saying to those people under the law, listen, there's a new righteousness. There's a righteousness now that's apart from the law. What is, it's apart from the law. It is revealed, it's being witnessed by the law and the prophets because the law and the prophets testify to it because if you read the law and the prophets, you'll see that they show you Jesus. Even Jesus, when he taught the law and the prophets, he said, if you don't see me, you don't understand the word of God. So the law and the prophets testify of this, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all and on all who believe, there's no difference. On all, to all, there's a righteousness from God that everybody qualifies for, and it's from him, and it's because of what Jesus did, and it's by faith alone. You're not under law, you're under grace. Not, not, not under law, you're under grace. It's a big deal. Back to Romans 7, you ready? But when a spouse dies, the other is released from the law of the marriage. So then, if a wife is joined to another man while still married, she commits adultery. But if her husband dies, she is obviously set free from the marriage contract and may marry another man without being charged with adultery. Problem, problem number one, the law will never die. The law is perfect, it'll never die. So we have a problem here because he's not going to die. I've been introduced to Mr. Grace. He's awesome. I'd love to have a relationship with him because he empowers me to be everything that I've ever dreamed to be. I mean, I want Mr. Grace in a big, big way, but I can't leave Mr. Law and Mr. Law won't die. So I just got to yield to the fact that I'm stuck in this rotten relationship forever. Is anybody with me? What are we going to do? Look at this. Look at this. So, my dear brothers and sisters, the same principle applies to your relationship with God. He's given this whole illustration to help you understand your relationship with God. Look what it says. For you died. You died. Here's, here's the solution. You ready? He won't die. So, you can die. Woo! Somebody got to die. And he's never going to die. So, here's the good news. You can die. Who's following me? Look what it says. For you died to your first husband, the law, by being crucified, co-crucified, co-crucified with the body of the Messiah so that you are free to marry another, the one who raised from the dead so that you may now bear spiritual fruit. You can't bear spiritual fruit under the law. People who are trying to obey the law are never fruitful. They're just on a treadmill of performance and they're just going to be fed up forever. But you see, here's the beautiful thing. When Jesus died, if you read your Bible, if you read the gospel, it doesn't say just that he died, so did you. It says, I died with him. I was buried with him. I've been raised with him. And here's the beautiful good news. I am seated with him right now in heavenly places. 
See, here's the beautiful thing. Because he couldn't die, Mr. Law couldn't die, I had to die. So here's what Jesus did. He came, he died for us. He took everything necessary to separate us from Mr. Law. We died with him. We identified completely with him. That's why we do water baptism. It shows you the death, burial, and the resurrection. You come up a new man. You see, when you've identified totally with Christ, Mr. Law comes and says, excuse me, could you cook me an omelet? You go, oh, sorry, your wife's dead. She no longer exists. There's a new creation here right now in Christ Jesus. And I don't have to do a rotten thing for you ever again. So, bye-bye. Hello? And you know, the law will come. Mr. Law, he comes. You start reading somewhere in the Old Covenant. You start reading and you go, like, I could be a better person. Mr. Law will beat you up and condemn you because he's not going anywhere. But here's the beautiful thing. You died. You were buried. You've been raised up and now you've been made alive in Christ Jesus and you're absolutely free. You were co-crucified with him so that you're free to marry. You're free to good news. You're free in good news. You're free to come into a new covenant. The old covenant is gone. You're free to have a new covenant relationship with Jesus. Is anybody happy about this at all? Three people. Yeah! Thank you, Mr. Duver. All right. So, so that you may, listen, that you may now bear spiritual fruit for God. Oh, I want to be fruitful. Oh, God, I just want to please you. I just, I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to try harder. Oh, I want to please you. That's rubbish. You know what? When you come to him and you come into union with Jesus, here's what happens. You are pleasing to God. You're not trying to be. You are. You're in absolute union with him. You are one spirit with Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. You can now bear. You don't have to do fruit. You bear fruit. I mean, how does a tree bear fruit? It just, it happens. It's not like, apples. What are you doing? I'm trying to produce an apple. You bear fruit. You don't have to produce it. You bear it. It, it just naturally comes out of your union with him, the fruit, the spirit, the, the, the fruit of the spirit manifests in your life because of your union with him, not because of your trying harder. Religion says, try harder. You could be better. Boom, boom, boom. Come to church today. I'll give you five more lessons on how to be more holy, you terrible people. I'll give you one lesson on how to be holy. You ready? You died with Christ. You were buried with Christ. You've been risen with Christ. You're seated with him in heavenly places. You're in absolute union with him. You could never get more holy than you are today because the holiness you have is God's own holiness and he's given it to you as his beloved bride. <sighs> there was a few more excited people that time. It's good news, folks. It's good news. So let's read on. When we were merely living natural lives, the law through defining sin actually awakened sinful desires. See, when, I, when you're living under the law, the law doesn't make you better. It literally exposes your failures. And not only that, it awakens sinful desires. What is the power of sin, Pastor? The Bible says the power of sin is the law. If I had my granddaughter, Frankie, and I said, look, there's something really special in that other room, and it's there, and it's kept there. It's really, really beautiful, wonderful, but I don't want you going in there right now. Now, if I said that to her, there's not a chance I would keep her out of that room. The minute I turned my back, she would be up the stairs going, what's Papa got in that room? And you know, the minute you put laws, you put regulations and things, you know, wet paint. Really? Oh, it is wet. I mean, what's wrong with us? 
We see the law, it not only exposes your sin, but it awakens sinful desires in us, which result from bearing fruit unto death. But now that we have been fully released from the power of the law, now that we have been fully released from the power of the law. Hey, hey, thank you, Ben. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sister. Thank you. Yes, Mr. Duver. Yes. Okay, thank you. All right. Wake and sinful desires, but now we've been released from the power of the law. We are dead to what once controlled us. You are no longer under the dominion of sin. You're no longer under the dominion of the law. You're under the grace of God. It's good news. It's not the fake news. It's sadly, there's a lot of churches preaching fake news. And it doesn't cause people to bear fruit. It actually causes people to get on the treadmill of performance. I'll try harder, Pastor. I'll come back next week. I'll finally overcome that. I promise I won't do it again. <laughs> Everybody's weary and burnt out. Do you know what I mean? I hate performance religion. Going on in, in Romans 7, and our lives are no longer motivated by the absolute way following the written code. Our lives are no longer motivated by the obsolete way of following the written code so that now we may serve God. How? By the freshness of the new life in the power of the Holy Spirit. So it doesn't mean the law isn't any good because the law is perfect. But trying to obey the law in your flesh, it will never happen. It'll beat you up and it'll actually stir up desires for sinful behavior. But when you step into grace, suddenly he empowers you to live his life. And you don't have a relationship with a book. You have a relationship with the risen Savior by the power of the Holy Spirit that transforms your life forever. You're not trying to become something. You realize I already am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Try to behave like you're not. Try to tell somebody, be righteous, but I'm not. I'm really evil. You'll never behave beyond what you believe about yourself. So if you believe you are evil and a rotten, you know, lawbreaker and all those things, then that's what you'll do because that's what you do. If you believe I'm a sinner saved by grace, then you'll be a sinner who's hoping to understand grace. But if you realize, as Paul said, to the saints in Ephesus, to the saints in Corinth, if you realize that he has, by the act of the finished work of the cross, he has made you holy once and for all, and he's identified you in the righteousness of God. If you get that, wowzers, you'll never have a problem. Can I get an amen? Being married to Mr. Law will never change you, but being married to Mr. Grace has transformed us deep within, and it shows. Deep within. Going back to Mr. Law, listen, here's what I want you to understand. Here's what Paul's saying. If you, having accepted God's grace and been born again and come into a relationship with God by the Spirit of God, if you go back to the law, you are committing adultery. All you legalists out there in the internet world, when you try to foster your relationship with Jesus by trying to reproduce the law in you through your flesh, you are in an adulterous relationship with an old covenant. And it's just not good. It's not good. You, you, you can't. You died to that. You died to the law. You can't cook meals for Mr. Law on the side. Hey, hey, Mr. Grace is gone. Mr. Law, you want to come over? I'll try to make the eggs better this time. You can't step into performance with Mr. Law. You're dead to Mr. Law. But so many people are still stuck in the realm of mixture. Can anybody feel that just a little bit? And sadly, that mixture is preached from pulpits and little round tables and TV screens every week. And that's why people are confused. Romans 2, 12b means the end of the verse. And those who are under the law of Moses, those who are under the law of Moses and fail to obey the law are condemned by the law. 
you're condemned. There's a lot of people walking around in condemnation. The law demands perfection from us, but it is not designed to help us. Therefore, it only condemns us. The old covenant, you serve the law. In the new covenant, Jesus serves you. Let me read that again just because somebody just went a little tilt on me. But I want to serve Jesus. And it's beautiful. We do serve Jesus. But it's a beautiful giving and receiving. Not giving and taking, but giving and receiving relationship with Jesus. You see, because in the new covenant, he serves you. He died for you. He lives forever to make intercession for you. He, he comes alongside of you. He helps you. He poured out his spirit upon you. He is in you, quickening you, enabling you. He's bringing revelation of his word. He is constantly working on your behalf every single day. He's doing everything for you. But so many people have a hard time letting Jesus serve me. No, Jesus, don't serve me. Well, that was like Peter. Remember when Jesus came to wash his feet? And Peter's like, no, no, Jesus, don't wash my feet. And he said, if you don't let me serve you, you can't be a part of me. You know, so Jesus really came to serve you. The law demanded you serve, but Jesus comes and he serves you. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30. If you are tired, if you are worn out, if you are burned out on religion... Come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. See, because when you're walking with him, you're partnered with him, you're yoked with him, it is light and it is easy and it's restful and it's fruitful and it's wonderful because he's producing his very life in you. It's wonderful. I won't lay anything heavy or else fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Galatians chapter 4, 21 to 30. Wrapping it up right here. Say, wrap it up, pastor. All right. Galatians 4, 21 to 30. Tell me. He says, tell me you who desire to be under the law. Now I want you, listen, tell me. You who desire, and you're, you're having a hard time right now. Pastor, you're beating up the law. I like the law. Well, tell me this then. You who desire to be under the law, do you not hear what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons. Two sons. Which things are symbolic. These two sons are symbolic. These two wives are symbolic. He said one is Sinai, and one is, one is literally is, is the Mount of Zion. He says there are two covenants. Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, which is Hagar and corresponds to Jerusalem, which is now. It corresponds to the now law-keeping Jerusalem. He says that's what it says. But the Jerusalem from above, the heavenly Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, the Jerusalem from above is free, which is the mother of us all. But as he was born according to the flesh, persecuted, that word persecuted means to pursue in a hostile manner. And I tell you, law keepers pursue the grace company. They pursue it harshly. They come after us. I've got this scripture to throw in your face. I'm like, whoopie doo. And they're constantly trying to use the law to beat the grace out of you. But you know, if you stay fixed in grace, you'll always beat the law out of them. You really will. You know, stay fixed in his goodness. But it persecuted, pursued in a hostile manner, him who was born according to the Spirit. Even so it is now. And he's saying, it's happening today. You Galatians, you, you came by the Spirit into a relationship of God. And now they're trying to make you law keepers. I mean, don't do it. They're persecuting you now. And there's still people, even in the church today, persecuting people who believe in the goodness of God. He's a good God. Yes, but he's terrible. No, he's a really good God. Yes, but he's fearful. He's a really good God. Yes, but he wants to destroy you. I mean, people are confused. I mean, who is God? I'm telling you, God is good. God is love. God is nuts about you all the time. He's never going to change his mind about that. For God so loved the world. That includes you. 
that he gave his only son. Come on. Isn't it good? Him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now. Nevertheless, what does the Scripture say? It says, cast out the bondwoman and her son. Cast out the law keepers. Cast out. And, and Abraham was like, hey, hold on. This is, I mean, look, Sarah, you were in on this when Hagar bore my child. You were, and it's just a child. I mean, come on. We've known them for a long time. We shouldn't kick them out. So Abraham was opposed to it. But then Abraham had a visitation from God. And God said what Sarah said is right. You got to get that out of here. And you might say, well, that seems extreme, doesn't it? Here was what it says. So the child grew and was weaned. The promise was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the son of the law, the son who represented law, whom she had born to Abraham, scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, cast out the bondwoman and her son. They shall not be heir with my son. What am I saying? What is Paul saying in Galatians about this passage way back in the day of Abraham? He's saying that you cannot be raised by mixture. You cannot. And if you're letting mixture get into your life, if you're going, well, a little bit of law, I'm telling you, I could give you 10 grace sermons and one mixture sermon would eradicate everything I said. Just one mixture sermon would blow every advantage that you achieved in hearing about the goodness of God. Just one mixture sermon would send you right back into the wilderness. You can't be raised by mixture. You will never mature under mixture. You'll never bear fruit. You'll never manifest what God wanted to produce in your life if you have mixture in your life. You're not under the law. You're under grace. Not, 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 not. I can't tell you how important this is. It is so important. It is the defining issue of our day. It really is. It's the defining issue in the church today. Grace is not some doctrine. Grace is the person of Jesus Christ. And he's visiting his church in a big, big way, and we've got to get it. Sarah represented grace. Abraham's a father of faith. By grace, through faith, we inherit all things. They will be the only influence in your life is going to be grace. Romans 6, 14, you are not governed by law, but you are governed by the reign of grace. Not, not, not. You're not under the law. There is a wonderful God who loves you. He's nuts about you. And he, even when you were broken in sin and just impoverished in every way, even when you thought in your mind you were his enemy, he's been nuts about you from day one. He loves you with an everlasting love. And he's not calling you into a life of law keeping. He's calling you into a life of an intimate relationship of love. And if, if love does not frame everything you have to do with God, if his goodness does not frame everything you have to do with God, if you in any way right now stood in his presence and felt any shame, there's mixture in your life. If in any way you stood and I do not have confidence before God, there's mixture in your theology. There's condemnation, but there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's freedom. You are not under the law. You are under the reign of of grace. Come on, stand up with me. Stand up with me. Hey, can we all pray? Just let's all pray, all right? Everybody's praying. Just bow your heads and let's pray. All you believers, we're praying. Listen, I invite you to a relationship with Jesus. Now, if you've had a relationship with religion or you've been striving to try to please a God who you've, has been misrepresented to you as something other than a loving, wonderful, good God, I'm here today to declare freedom to you. And freedom that is not achieved by you, it was achieved by him, and it's a gift to you. It's a wonderful, beautiful relationship from your Heavenly Father. And that alone 
will free you to bear fruit in your life. The only thing that can make you manifest Jesus is Jesus, and it's his spirit. He didn't save you and then say, here's a list of rules to live by. He saved you and he said, now, live out of your relationship with me. If you've never said, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. If you've never said, man, pastor, I'm in. Like, what I'm hearing today, I want some of that. If you've never said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life, I'm going to ask you to do that today. I'm going to ask you to do that online today. If you've never done that, I'm going to do it. Here's what I'm going to do. Make it clear. You ready? I'm going to go one, two, three. At three, would you put up your hand all around the room? If that's you and you're saying, you know what? I want to have a vital relationship with Jesus today. I want to embrace what you're saying, Pastor. If that's you, I'm going to ask you at the count of three. Put your hand up high so I can see it. Are you ready? One, two, three. Put your hand up. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Put your hand up really high so I can see it. Thank you. All right, you can put your hands down now, but I want you to pray with me. I want you all, you know what we're going to do? We're all going to pray. We're all going to pray so you can lift up your voice. You've had your hand up. You're saying, I'm in. But we're all going to pray this prayer together. Are you ready? Lord Jesus, thank you for all you've done for me. I believe you are the one who forgives my sins, who heals me and sets me free. I accept you right now as my Lord and as my Savior. Holy Spirit, come and testify with my spirit that today I am a child of God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you put your hand up, somebody might tap you on the shoulder and say hi. It's not to make you join the church or anything like that. It's just to, we have some more things we'd like to give you and help you unpack and explore. Don't want you just to make a decision. We want you to fully understand the family of God and the relationship you just entered into. So congratulations. Welcome to the house. Welcome to the Father's house. Not this church, but welcome to the family of God. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, there's no Wednesday night meeting. It goes right on the holiday Thursday, so there's no Wednesday night group this week. Next week, we're starting a new series on the book of First Peter. So the whole summer, we're doing a book on First Peter. I thought I would call it uh, Instructions for Alien Life Forms. And uh, our staff was like, that sounds kind of crazy. But, but Peter says, we are strangers here. We are aliens here. But how do you live then as aliens in a foreign world? How do you do that? So uh, I might still hang on to it, you know. But come and learn lessons of how to live your life as an alien life form. Amen. How many are excited about that title? Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'll have to argue with my staff about it then. But love you guys so much. I hope you have an amazing week this week and Canada Day and with your family and all those things. Use it as a time to reflect and pray and consider some of the things that have gone on in our country that, uh, you know, we need to own, but we need to rise above. And we need to celebrate what a powerful, wonderful country we are. You know, a country that's powerful acknowledges some things that are bad and are wrong, and we repent of that and we move on. And you know, it's so, so important that we do that. But I love you deeply. I'm going to bless you right now. I'm going to send you on your way because I love you so much. You ready? Well, Heavenly Father, thank you for this family. Thank you for this beautiful, lovely community that I get to serve in the way that I do. And I thank you for our love. We just want to pray about one thing. We got an offer right now for the building that we've signed back. And 
I'd really love that to be the deal. If it's not the deal, I'm so content that God's doing something wonderful with us right now, and we're ready to move into a bigger location. There's a harvest coming in the fall that's going to blow up, something real, real big. We need a bigger barn and a bigger parking lot, and there's something incredible going on. And Father, we thank you that you've blessed our journey. We thank you that you are working things out, and I absolutely trust you, and I know, I absolutely know who I believe in. I know you, and I know that you're good and you're faithful. So I thank you for working all these things out and favoring us in every circumstance in Jesus' name. So I bless you right now. I pray the love of the Father would be such an incredible revelation in your life. I pray the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the person of grace, would be so tangible in your life and reveal that to you. And I know it will all happen because you've been given the person partnership of Holy Spirit with you to take you out on those streets and to open up your life and to be a walking, living demonstration of the kingdom of God. So I bless you to go and invade your family, your world, your circumstances with the goodness of God. In Jesus' precious name, amen. One more thing. We got prayer. If you need prayer, there's a yellow line right here. There's people ready to pray for you. They're going to have two people on the other yellow line, so it's safely distanced. But if you need prayer for anything, I don't want you to leave here today with a burden or with a need. If you got something you need prayer for, there's people qualified and ready to to pray for you. So if you need prayer, please stay behind. We'll pray for you. Otherwise, bless you. You got to go out that door over there. Take your time. Give people space. Get some cleanser at the door on your way out. And God bless you. Have a really amazing day. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. God bless you guys. Good day.